Welcome to Compliance Beat, the podcast for compliance and ethics professionals. We provide practical insights and answer your questions about compliance and ethics. Together, we'll stay up to date on current trends so that your program stays effective. Brought to you by Moorhead Compliance Consulting. Here's your host, Eric Moorhead. This time, I'm going to talk a little bit about surveys, often called culture surveys or knowledge assessments or surveys just generally. I have three questions that you need to ask yourself before you conduct a compliance survey. But first, I want to, as always, ask you to please subscribe to the podcast if you haven't already. Uh, if you have any questions, suggestions, or want to get a hold of us for any reason, uh, you can find our contact information at compliancebeat.com, moreheadconsulting.com, or you can just email me directly at eric at moreheadconsulting.com. I love to hear from listeners, and if you have suggestions, or questions, please do not hesitate to reach out to us. And please, please do subscribe to this podcast on iTunes uh, and uh, let us know uh, your feedback. So uh, culture survey, as it's often called, or compliance survey or program survey, um, that really leads me to my first question is, uh, what kind of survey is this going to be? Is it going to be what is commonly called a culture survey? Culture survey asks questions about uh, culture, uh, about uh, knowledge of resources actually is usually a big uh, piece of that puzzle and that would include things like uh, are you aware of the helpline? Have you uh, seen our code of conduct? Uh, do you know where our code of conduct is located? Uh, do you know who to get in touch with if you have questions or concerns? Uh, are you comfortable going to your manager or your local uh, management or supervision in your organization? Uh, where uh, Have you observed misconduct? If so, did you report it? If not, why not? Uh, those are questions that are often contained in a quote-unquote culture survey. Um, questions about uh, relative uh, impression of the ethics of uh, senior management, local management, things like that, things that really do uh, have some uh, end back to uh, culture. That's what I would commonly think of as a culture survey. Another common one, that at least one that I'm familiar with, is what's what I call and what has been called in the past a knowledge survey, and that's going to be more specific about uh, specific. Um, uh, uh, retention by the uh, person, the employee probably, or or other uh, stakeholder that you're surveying on their knowledge around a specific risk topic or compliance issue. Um, this is often done, say, three months, six months, nine months, a year after they have received training or after there's been a rollout. Let's just use anti-corruption as an example since that's our general fallback example that we often use. If you've done your uh, anti-corruption or anti-bribery training six months ago and you want to measure the relative effectiveness and retention of the population that had taken that training, then perhaps you'd ask them a few questions that they ought to know the answer to, uh, such as, is it okay? Uh, you're at the uh, at the border and the custom agent wants you to give them a hundred dollars uh, to get you through the line otherwise you're going to beat you and the materials from your organization are going to be there for three days is that okay uh, or what's the process around uh, being um, uh, when there's a request for a payment uh, so you test their knowledge on your specific uh, policy your specific training 
Um, oftentimes you can kind of meld both of these together. Um, this begs the question about how long the survey might be. Uh, you get diminishing returns once you have a survey that's say longer than uh, 15 to 20 questions. You might uh, get away with you know 25 or 30 questions, uh, but if you get longer than that, you you will start to see attrition in the uh, participation of a survey. Uh, and if you have a rather limited sample size to begin with, then you're going to probably want to stick to a survey instrument that's uh, shorter than, say, 15 questions. That's typical, but I've seen uh, successful surveys that have been longer, and certainly benchmarking surveys can be a lot longer than that, uh, but those are typically uh, completed by uh, uh, compliance officers uh, answering on behalf of the organization, and, uh, and we compliance officers love to do stuff like that. The average employee doesn't. So when you're doing culture surveys, uh, you want to stick to between, call it 10 or 15 questions typically. Um, if you can get it done in eight questions, more power to you. I think the shorter the better. Uh, the more participation, the higher response rate you're going to get. Second big question to ask is, are you going to benchmark your answers, or, or more specifically, the answers of your respondents? Uh, if you're asking common questions like, have you observed misconduct and what did you do? Uh, in response to observing that misconduct, then you, it, it may be worth your while uh, to benchmark that to common responses. Uh, a, a survey that I've mentioned on this podcast before that is a good uh, place to look for broad benchmarks on a lot of these sort of culture questions is the um, Ethics uh, and Compliance Initiatives, ECI's uh, global Business Ethics Survey. It used to be the National Business Ethics Survey. It's now the Global Business Ethics Survey. It's done, I believe, still every other year. I believe it's done in odd years, so I guess they're going to do it this year. Um, that survey, and there's plenty of other, uh, uh, they, they do a, a really broad survey, but then they issue several reports. But uh, if you go to their website, it's ethics.org, you can, uh, if, you, if you give them your information, so you'll end up on their mailing list, but if you give them your information, you can get some of their reports, and that will give you uh, some data, some broad data about some of these questions. That's one place you can look. There are other places you can look, uh, other organizations that have done culture surveys that may have released uh, some of their information publicly. Uh, there are a lot of proprietary services. There are a lot of proprietary organizations, or, 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 or sorry, rather, uh, uh, commercial organizations uh, that have proprietary benchmarking data that will offer you services, including running the surveys your, uh, for you, which if that's something you need done, um, there are plenty of organizations, including Moorhead Compliance Consulting, that will work with you uh, to do that. Uh, but if you want to try to do it on your own or, or, or realistically because of resources, you have to do it on your own, uh, ECI is a place to look and there, there are possibly other places. And then you can benchmark uh, to the answers that are publicly available. The key there, though, obviously, is to make sure your questions are uh, substantially similar to the questions that were asked in the other survey. Otherwise, you're not comparing apples to apples. But you need to ask that question as a threshold, too. Do you want a benchmark? Do you want to sort of see how your population performs in comparison to either a broad uh, a broader group like the Global Business Ethics Survey Group, or uh, if you're working with a proprietary uh, uh, benchmarking um, 
data set with a partner, uh, a more specific um, peer organization. So ask yourself that question. Uh, if, if that's not as important to you, if you're more interested in starting a survey and then maybe uh, tracking uh, the responses within your organization year to year, if you do it every year or every other year, and you're more concerned about uh, tracking uh, the 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 results uh, year to year or, or, or survey over or survey on with just within your organization, that's fine. But if you want to benchmark externally, you need to think about that because that's going to affect how you construct the questions. And then the last question, and I've talked about this a little bit with the last uh, uh, section when I talked about working with partners, is how are you going to do it? You know, you've determined what kind of survey it's going to be, what, what areas you're going to cover. You've determined whether you're, whether you're interested or not interested in benchmarking. Now, how are you going to conduct the survey? Well, the old-fashioned way is to put together a survey and send it out uh, either via email or, um, or, or make paper copies for those people who are offline, have them fill it out, and then you get all that information back, and then you hand collate it. Uh, a lot of people don't do that anymore. They use uh, the, a, a, a available online survey tool like a SurveyMonkey or something like that. Um, you can get pretty flexible with that, uh, but you need to really understand how those tools work. Uh, many organizations, uh, you'll have to work with your IT team uh, to make sure that any um, uh, email that's auto-generated by some sort of survey tool uh, can actually be sent uh, internally to the emails um, of uh, those that you wish to uh, participate in the survey. The great thing about using one of those tools is you can really anonymize things and you can uh, encourage people to participate because it will be anonymous because they're going to go log on to a website uh, and take the survey rather than uh, send something back from their email address or send something uh, or hand something over. Uh, that's that's a physical piece of paper. Uh, so you can uh, uh, perhaps encourage greater participation because it truly will uh, be anonymous. Uh, but to get that done, you have to work again with IT and HR if you need to get a listing of uh, uh, employees uh, or other stakeholders and their and their contact information to, to have that automated system set, send that out. So there is some amount of work in setting up, getting that mailing list, uh, getting that uh, sample. Um, and if you're working with a rather large organization, perhaps you're not going to try to survey everybody, but you're going to try to get a statistically valid sample. Uh, what a statistically valid sample might be uh, really varies, uh, but a good rule of thumb here is about 10%. Uh, you can go lower if you're willing to have a, uh, a greater margin of error. 10% uh, depending on some other factors and, and uh, I encourage you to uh, if you're going to do a survey it's worthwhile to read a couple articles about this and learn some new terminology which I actually think I will do a podcast on this later but I, I don't want to muddy the waters too much here uh, but but depending on what margin of error you're, you're willing to tolerate a good rule of thumb is about 10% so if you have a population of 5,000 employees uh, then you want a good sample size of at least 500 uh, and that's responses. So you probably are going to send out uh, more than uh, uh, than 500 um, invitations. In fact, maybe you send out 5,000 invitations, and if you get over 500 responses, then you're in a pretty good space as far as having a statistically valid sample. Uh, that's another way to look at it. But but think about uh, how you're going to do it practically. Um, there there are a lot of moving pieces in doing this, and if you have 
if you ultimately want to um, replicate this, it's worthwhile spending some time up front, as, as with anything, uh, to make sure that you're comfortable with the tool. And that includes um, uh, making sure that you and uh, the, the other thing too is you want to, as I mentioned before, have a survey instrument that you've really spent some time on because if you're going to replicate the survey and you're going to try to track the trends in the answers from your respondents over multiple iterations of the survey over the years, uh, you're not going to want to monkey with those questions. Uh, uh, otherwise, uh, then you won't be able to track the trends because you'll have, if you, particularly if you substantially change them. So you um, you want to spend a good amount of time up front, as if with any of these uh, projects that we talk about on, on this podcast, to make sure that you are comfortable uh, with the tool that you have, with the process that you have, uh, and make sure also to to uh, run uh, some test runs to make sure that it's, it's operating like you think it's going to operate before you roll it out uh, across the board. Uh, but those are three things to think about. Um, what kind of survey? Is it going to be a culture survey, a knowledge assessment, or a little bit of both? Are you going to benchmark? And then just how are you going to do it? What are the practicalities around it? Those are some things, three questions to think about if you're going to do a compliance survey. Thanks for listening to Compliance Beat. Check out our website, compliancebeat.com. This podcast is brought to you by Moorhead Compliance Consulting. Be sure to check us out at moorheadconsulting.com.